be to what we would normally uh, experience in terms of we would have Bible teaching, something straight from a passage, and actually today's an opportunity for, for me to bring you some updates on kind of things going on around church life and some new things, and also to lift our heads primarily. The first thing I really want to encourage you to do is lift your head and be inspired by God's perspective. And then together, later on, we're going to look ahead to, uh, to the vision, to the future. We're going to go short, medium, long term with God today as well. But first off, let me just tell you a, a little story. I went to uh, Brighton the other week uh, with the family, and uh, we thought it was going to be a miserable day. We thought it was going to be wet, but when we got there, the sun was beaming, and it was beautiful. And we looked across down the kind of skyline, and we saw this huge tower in the distance, and it's called the I-360. And we thought, you know what, we're going to do that. So once Jedi had chased some, chased some seagulls and Reuben had tried to dig to China and the sea, the sea had like seen Phoebe for the first time, we were like, right, we're going to do it. So we went up there and I thought, this is either going to go one or two ways. It's either going to go uh, really swimmingly and they're going to get to the top of the tower and they're going to go, wow, or these little boys that I have are going to be terrified. And they're going to cling to my leg, and I'll have one on that leg and the other on that leg, and I'll try and get to the edge of the tower just so I can see the view. But I'm really pleased to say it went really, really well. We went up the tower. It was beautiful. We could see thousands of houses and out, right out to sea, the turbines and the beach, and it was beautiful. And it was really quite incredible to see. Now, you probably know this already, but my family and I, we don't live at the top of the I-360. So we don't actually have that perspective all the time. We had to come back down, down, down the tower, and, uh, and we live actually somewhere much better than the top of the I-360. We live in Hearst Green. Come on, Hearst Green. Uh, but even in Hearst Green, it's not as beautiful as the top of the 360. But my point is this. In a very practical way, I want us to remember to maintain an eternal perspective. Because there's a lot of things going on in our world that could bring you down right now. And I don't need to list them all, but you, could, you know what I'm talking about. You can lose perspective quite easily. And so the response to that really is to decide, to choose to maintain this eternal perspective of what God has is, is set in process. And so I want to encourage you, first of all, just with a quick application, let's keep ourselves reading the word, finding Jesus on every page. Let's keep worshipping him like we did today, praising him when we don't feel like it and when we do. Let's devote ourselves to prayer and spend time with our Father in heaven. And let's keep perspective and refuse to be dragged down by the world around us. That's the first thing I want you to remember. This is really, really important. Now, moving on to some updates. And if you are new with us, uh, this, this will be me speaking to things that have happened and are happening and things that will happen in the future. Please uh, don't be thrown by that. You've just happened to have come on this particular Sunday. But uh, there are two uh, important updates to let you know. So here we go. A couple of things we're taking on in faith. And the first is about something new. Okay. All right. Okay. Try again. It's about something new. Yeah. Come on. So we're going to try something new. We are committed in this church to the concept of team. You've probably grasped that together already, that we are one team. Everybody's here. We're all in the room. We're one team. And Jesus had a team of disciples, and Paul the Apostle, if you know who that is, a church planter from the New Testament, he had many team members as well. Uh, I could list them all for you, but men, women, different ages, different uh, languages, different experiences, joined his team and helped him as he went along planting churches. And we 
really believe in team, and we have a broad team of leaders in the church, uh, including those who lead life groups, men ministry, children's life groups, they do um, food bank, there's Christian money advice, many, many teams. And in addition to those ministry leaders or team leaders, we also have elders as well. And historically at King's Church, we've had two and a half elders employed by the church. That's what it was uh, some, a little while ago. And that actually meant that in the reality of church life, a lot of decisions and actions uh, were undertaken by, by them who were on staff. But since that time, our eldership and staff teams have changed. And so we've recognized the need for greater support in shaping uh, church life. And so for the next year, we're going to try something new. Okay. <laughs> we're going to gather a specific leadership team to serve the church with the elders. And as the term leadership team can be interpreted differently depending on your experience, uh, here's a quick description or definition of what our team is. Our team is a diverse team that will serve the church through prayer, care, and implementation of the church's vision and desired cultures. Now you're wondering, that's a great definition, but what does it mean? Well, it means this. This team are going to meet regularly, and they're going to pray for you all. So that's a good thing. Uh, they're going to assist in developing church-wide cultures like prayer, equipping, family, etc. And they're going to discuss areas of church life, asking questions like, how are we doing in this area? Why do we do X or Y? And what do we mean when we say blank? They're going to provoke thought and action at the same time. And just for clarity, and uh, for those, it's important to explain that we're not changing our theological position on the, on the office and the role and the responsibility of our elders at King's Church. We're not changing that. We still believe that men and women have equal value before God and have different roles to play both in family and church life. And we maintain that eldership is a male role and it mirrors that of Christ and the church and Christian marriage. And elders are fundamentally here to serve the church. They're servants. That's the reality. They're not here to lord their position over others or act like a CEO or be harsh or demanding because it's clear in the scriptures that the elders are under shepherds. They're not on a par with Jesus, not at all. They're under shepherds. They care for the flock. And we summarize how they do that by describing them as, as guarding, guiding, and governing for God's glory. And so ultimately, the elders are held accountable to God and for the church itself, and they hold that responsibility before him and that authority, and we work as a team at all times. And so those on the leadership team will help those elders. They'll help shape church life. They'll help me. They'll help the other guys get a bigger picture of how we're getting on and, uh, and keep, us, uh, yeah, keep us going in that way. And so now you're wondering, okay, so who's on this team and why them? And, uh, and we asked God to help us craft a team. Uh, in prayer, we asked him, the crafter team with character, love for the church, and those with different experiences. And so for this year, um, we're going to give this a good old crack, and we've invited Christian, Nicole, Rachel, and Richie to serve within this team with Kevin Dale and myself. And I'm sure lots of you know them, and if you don't know them, you will meet them, so I'm not going to get them to stand up or anything like that. But this team has met once already, and we are really excited to see how it goes. And so let me invite you, let me ask you to please pray for us. Uh, if you've got questions regarding this team or how it works, please come and speak to me or one of the other elders 
in person. It really, really does help when you come and speak to us in person. Just want to emphasize that. And so that's the first update is we're going to create this new team. And I hope you're excited as well. Good. Next one is uh, about something we've been pursuing as a church called Church as Family. And it's, uh, uh, it's the fact that we have been meeting here as one with everybody in the room, um, with a restroom out there for about six months now. And, uh, and it's been wonderful at times and it's been challenging. I think we can be honest about that. And it's really important to stop and reflect on how that's going and, and how the broader concept of Church as Family, because it's not all about Sunday mornings. It is about a Across a whole church thing, um, and it, but it's important to stop and think, right, how are we getting on? Because we're still on the journey as we pursue what, uh, how we do this church as family thing together, okay? So we're going to do that. And so this is an opportunity for me to invite you and say, look, we want, we want you to come and speak to us in person uh, about perhaps how you're finding uh, Sundays or how you're finding this kind of thing. And again, once, the, once face-to-face helps us in a really big way, because when you're face-to-face with someone, you can be authentic, you can see body language, you can hear tone, and, uh, and it encourages us to have greater freedom when we're authentic and honest in that setting. And it's really important also to be loving when we bring our feedback, to actually bring it in a way that is kind as well. And uh, I've already started this process of a review. I've, I've had some really healthy, good conversations with people this week, so I just want to say that to you. It's been really good. And I'm really grateful for the love, the respect, the honesty uh, from everybody who I've spoken to so far. And so there you go. There's an invitation. We're taking on a review. And they, they are my two important updates, which you have. So there you go. So that's the second one. Now, we're going to draw our attention to the future. We're going to look ahead together. We've got some short, medium, and long-term things coming up. Next week, very short term, we're going to start our series on the book of Ruth. We're going to do the whole book, a chapter a week. Hannah, Richie, Naomi, and myself, we're going to do a chapter each, and we're going to see what God draws out of that for us. So that's coming up, and I'll let Hannah explain it and the series next week. You've already heard about Easter. It's going to be exciting. Ah, yes, smashing, cracking, however you want to call it. But invite as many people as possible. Get six names down on a card. Pray for them for the next 35 days. But most importantly, get on your WhatsApp this afternoon and invite them to come to that service. It's the one time, aside from Christmas, where people go, church is a great idea. Let's go. It's Easter. So do that, please. Uh, next thing, discipleship tracks in the summer term. We're giving uh, our life group leaders a break, but we're also giving everybody who's a member or on their way to becoming a member the opportunity to join discipleship tracks. So tracks where you can receive training uh, and teaching on a specific subject. It could be the Holy Spirit. It could be quiet times. It could be um, time and money, how you work through those. It could be witnessing. It could be friendship. It could be listening. And so I'm not going to go into detail now, but they're coming up in March and April. Don't miss out on those. We really want everybody to engage with those discipleship tracks. Next one, further in the future, you've already heard about Otford Manor. It's a wonderful weekend away for the whole family with God. Uh, it's really, really good. It's always a huge blessing. Did you have a good time last year? Yes. Well, we're going to do it again. We're going again next year. It's an, sorry, this year, not next year. Thank you. This year, July 5th to 7th. Put it in your calendar. If you get your phone out now and put it in your calendar, I'm not going to be cross with you because you're putting it in your calendar. So you can do that right now. 
We really want you to be there, and more information will come up on that. And so that's the short-term stuff. But now I want to ask you to gaze into the distance. You might even want to do this in your mind. Gaze into the distance because we're going to look towards 2025 and beyond. Because next year, 2025, this church will be 40 years old. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? Planted in 1985. God has sustained us for decades, so praise him for that. And he's so faithful, he's so constant, he's so good to us. Generations have come through this church. Some have been saved, some have been sent, some of them just keep coming back. Anyone got that experience? They just keep coming back, uh, and we send them again. <laughs> and, though we, and though we know next year, sorry, this corner are giggling because someone, someone keeps coming back, Rachel. Uh, but but um, it's a wonderful thing. But we know next year, we know next year that we're going to celebrate that together, praising God together. Um, but I'll tell you what, I found this real, realization that we're going to be 40 years old as a church quite provoking. I felt like God said to me, okay, what about the next 40 years? And I realized, I realized that we've got a task on our hands here. We are going to face greater adversity in the coming years, and we need to be ready. As a church, we need to be ready to devote ourselves to reaching the current and incoming generations with the gospel, as well as everybody else. And we need to stay close to Jesus and pursue that goal, no matter the cost. And that's that's the definition of devotion. Devoting yourself is pursuit of a goal, no matter the cost. And you hear about it in Acts 2. You can pick that up there. How the early believers devoted themselves to prayer, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to the apostles' teaching. You can pick it up there. It's devotion. It's commitment. It's cost. And that's really what I felt compelled by as we look into the future. Because over 2,000 years ago, Jesus, he presented what must have been a daunting vision to his disciples. And you can read about it in Matthew 28, 19 to 20. It says, go and make disciples of all nations. He's talking to the disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And I thought, wow, that is big. (laughs) And they hadn't even received the promise of the Father at that point. They hadn't received the Holy Spirit empowerment to go and do so, but they were obedient. They waited and they received. And we're here today still talking about Jesus, still looking to him, still praising him, because those disciples were obedient and devoted themselves to the mission. We're here because Jesus said to them, You will receive power. He said, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. He commanded it. He said it. And they were, and we can be. And so we're here, youngest to oldest in the room, because they looked at each other in the eye and said, come on, he promised we can do this. And we're disciples now because we're living in the good of that promise. And we're disciples here today because the people back in the first century, they looked at their friends They looked at their relatives. They looked at the strangers on the street, and they went, they can be saved. They said they can be saved from their sin because God is faithful, because of the gospel, because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Everyone 
could be saved. And we're here because they too sought Jesus earnestly. They devoted themselves to seeking him. They got hurt, persecuted. They hurt one another at times. They reconciled as commanded. They went on in faith, knowing all along that trial and change would come. But God is faithful. And he works everything to the good of those who love him and accord according to his purpose. You see, we're here because they fasted. And we're here because they prayed. And we're here because God factored in their weakness and told them to depend on him completely to bear fruit. And so I want to encourage you and inspire you to do the same as those, those first disciples. I want you to look at an empty chair right now. Or imagine a chair that's not out of the cupboard yet. And imagine a friend, relative, family member from the school gate, family member, a family from the school gate, an aunt, a partner, a stranger, a cousin, someone you don't know, sitting in that chair this time next year. I want you to imagine that somehow you have come to a place where you have a conversation and you witness to them and you said, hey, why don't you come to church thinking they'll never say yes. And they turned and went, all right. And they're sat in that empty chair, and one of us stands up here, preaches the gospel, and they respond to it. Or they come on a course, or they spend more time with you looking at scripture and receiving the truth. I want you to imagine chairs filled with people we don't know yet. And we can do it, God can do it, if we devote ourselves to it, praying for and inviting these people. And we're here, you see, we're here because God wants to expand his kingdom through us. Are you stirred by that? God wants to expand his kingdom through us. Little old me. <laughs> like, amazing. Now, now take that desire. Take that desire to see someone saved by Jesus and then discipled by you personally. Take that desire to see someone saved, not just saved, but then discipled by you personally and offer it to God in prayer again and again and again and again until that person comes to fruition. It was the Archbishop William Temple who said this, the church is the only organization that exists for its non-members. And I love that. It sums up God's purpose for us all. And so we must keep facing outward. We can't just become insular. And now's not the time to become passive because Jesus is returning soon. Someone's affirming me over there. Well done, whoever that was. I think it was everyone going, yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. Let's have some more of that. That's great. That's it. That's the stuff. <laughs> Jesus is coming back soon. Thank you, Edwards. You're with me. Um, but the, three, the, the, the fact of the matter is this, that he's coming back soon, and we've got to get urgent about it. We've got to get determined. And to carry on the mission here, doing everything we do as a church family, we need to be devoted to it. We need all hands on deck. We've heard that phrase a lot. And the whole family needs to be on board. And here's the thing. We... We know that pursuing the mission will cost us. Cost what it may, it's worth what it costs. And it will cost us. And there's a summary, really, of what it's going to cost us to keep on doing this mission, being involved with this mission and committed to it. It's going to take time. That's the first T. Primarily time given to a personal pursuit of Jesus that I mentioned before, those applications of Bible, worship, prayer, Absorbing the truth. Time spent giving yourself to others outside the church family as well, as well as those inside. Time spent serving on teams, devoting yourself to prayer and caring for those around you. So that's the first one, time. The second one, the second T is talents. 
The mission of God needs your talents. It needs natural and supernatural talents, gifts. You may have a technical skill. You might be good with numbers. You may know how to listen. Well, that's perfect. Help Judy out on the Christian Money Advice team. You might play an instrument or sing or have a practical skill. Great. Use it for the glory of God. You might have another uh, uh, talent that I haven't mentioned. I'm not sure how spinning plates will help us, but it might help. That could be you. Who knows? That's just to check you are still tuned into what I was talking about there. Just checking. Uh, talents. Talents, talents, talents. Very important. You see, we, we say it a lot. Everyone has got something to bring, and we really do believe that. And if you're, if you're concerned about not having something to bring to the mission, then let me encourage you. Get alongside someone and say, what do you think I could do? And they'll pray with you, and they'll help you. And if it's that, not that person, find another person. Come and ask. Keep seeking God for how can I be part of this? How can I contribute to this? That's time and talents. The third T is this, treasures. We need to devote our treasures, our finances to God. And part of that means taking giving, uh, giving seriously. And we want to keep doing everything we, we're doing. We want to keep worshiping here, renting this space, renting the King Center. We want to keep reaching out on Alpha Courses, just looking, continuing the mission. They're all important things. But the reality is this, our, our most, most of our annual costs as a church they, they go towards salaries, and with a view to the future and with a view to growth, we really want to retain our current team, and that team is myself, Deb, Claire, and Rachel, who's our integration lead, the latest member of our team, and Nathan is also on our staff team, but we don't pay him, but thank you, Nathan. <laughs> we really do appreciate you. And uh, last year, uh, the church was blessed by a legacy, a one-off gift, uh, from a beloved member of the church historically. And, uh, and that enabled us to employ Rachel for a year as our integration lead. And, uh, and I'm just, just going to focus on Rachel just for a moment because we have been so blessed to have Rachel, haven't we? Yes, we have. Thank you, Rachel. Hallelujah. And it's Rachel's heart for the church and her noble character that are two of the primary reasons she's on our staff team. It's, it's who she is that we love, isn't it? It's who she is, not just what she does. It's who she is. And Rachel's been involved in many things. She's hosted, preached, uh, helps people integrate, believers and non-believers. She's done two Freedom in Christ course. Uh, she's done uh, Next Steps evenings. And it's, if you name all the things Rachel's done, it's a bit like reading The Hungry Caterpillar really, really fast. Uh, it's a lot of things. And we know, I know, you know, that Rachel... Although she's employed two and a half days a week, does way more than that. She does. She given her, she's devoted to God. She's devoted to the task that she's been given. And we are so grateful to you, Rachel. Thank you. We've embarrassed you. I'm going to stop. Uh, but I've succeeded in that case, which is good. But here's the reality check. Here's the reality check we need. If we really want to keep Rachel on our staff team for the next year, if we want to see that happen then we do need to increase our overall giving as a church, uh, our tithes and offerings. It needs to go from 150,000 in a year to 180 in a year. And that's, that's an increase in monthly giving as a church of somewhere around 1.5 to 2,000 pounds. And that's from April onwards. That's what we need to do. And, and you might be wondering, okay, Quincy, why 180? Well, we prayed. I prayed. We prayed together. And we, we believe that's the number we need, enable us to continue with Rachel on staff and to keep doing everything we want to do and to reach more people with the gospel 
and, and build the church and serve the community and reach the nations as we aim to do. And in faith, the elders and I believe we can get there. Do you believe? Come on. And I'm going to help you remember that number. I'm going to help you remember what we're going for with a quick illustration. So, uh, Martin, you're nearest the lights. Could you turn the front lights off? Nathan, play a video. Give us a moment to draw breath. Who's that guy? Luke Littler, 16-year-old world championship darts. Second place he came, bless him. But I just want to show you a quick video of him and where it all started. It's pretty good, right? It's called Luke the Nuke. <laughs> Isn't that cool? I wish I had such a cool name. I don't. But Luke the Nuke. And, and he started off when he was 18 months old, throwing darts at that dartboard. And no one would have imagined, even at that time, him doing what he did when he was that size. No one would have imagined him in the World Championship final when he was 18 months old. But you can see it was in him from the very start. And that's what I want to say to all of us today is that the mission has been in us from the very start. From 40 years ago, when the guys came off the hill, from Biggin Hill, down into Tatsfield, down into Oxted, the mission was in them, and they devoted themselves to it. And Luke the Nuke, he devoted himself to a goal. He absolutely went for it. A bit like that. That was determined, wasn't it? He was going for that guitar. He's like, come here, guitar. But anyway, um, that's the kind of determination we need. Um, but he... Luke the Nuke devoted himself to the goal of being a really, really good darts player. Not just really, really good. I'm, I suspect we'll see him as world championship one day. And our 180,000 in a year's worth of giving is a bit like that. It starts here today. And here's the thing. First and foremost, us and Luke the Nuke, we're going for the same number. When you hit three darts in the treble 20, what do you get? 180! Come on! That's what you want to have, is 100. And that is going to be ringing in your ears, my ears, my kids' ears, when they're awake and when they're asleep, for the next, not 40 years. It's going to ring in our ears for the next year, because I reckon we can do 180, but I reckon God can do 220. I reckon God can do 250. I reckon God can multiply us as a family. That's what families do, isn't it? And we'll get into that into the future should he lead us in that direction. But we're going to get there, and we're going to get there through giving our money, and it's money that God has graciously given to us. And I've heard Dale say this before in the past. He said, we know where God's money is to extend his kingdom. We know where it is. It's in my pocket. It's in my account. It's in your pocket and your account. That's where it is. He's given it to us. And typically at King's Church, we, we receive gifts and we receive offerings and tithes uh, in three particular ways. And so I'm just going to touch on those three briefly you so you're aware of that. So the first one is tithes, and that word translates roughly as a tenth, 
And just so no one's panicking, we are going to do the biblical teaching behind this concept uh, in the spring, uh, so you're aware of it and, uh, and, a, and a taught on it, because that is significant. I just don't have the time to do it right now, right today. But uh, we're grateful to God for all that he gives us, aren't we? And we trust him to provide, yes, and therefore we can give to him regularly with no worries at all. And I've been doing it for around 13 years, but, and guess what? God's never let me down. He's never let us down. He's never let his people down in that way. And so many people here I know understand this principle and they give generously. And I just want to take a moment on behalf of the team and behalf of the church to say thank you to everybody who gives so diligently and wonderfully. We are grateful to God and grateful to you. But I wish to provoke you today and ask if now is a moment in time to review our regular giving. I know I am going to do this. And I want to ask you this straight out. Could we increase what we regularly give by 2%, by 5%, by 10%, knowing that in doing so, we're going to be supporting Rachel on part of the staff team in the next year. In doing so, we're going to reach more people with the gospel. In doing so, we're going to serve the community through food bank and other means. And, and that one day, perhaps the people that Rachel helps integrate, perhaps one day we'll send them out to help a church plant or plant a church or join somewhere far flung from here that you've never even heard of. Can we give with that in mind? Can we increase our giving with that in mind? And I know for others, this principle is going to be new because some people, praise God, have been saved into our context here. But I remember coming to King's Church 14 years ago and hearing this principle and thinking, what? <laughs> that sounds completely bizarre. But then I found in the scriptures, it's a command. It's an act of obedience. It's an act of faith. And I gave a little bit. And then I gave some more. And then I realized that God was even more capable than I than I previously acknowledged to meet all my needs and more. And so praise him for that. I want to provoke you as well. If you haven't started giving to the church and actually you, you sense in your spirit and God's spirit on you to do so, could that start in April 2024 and fuel all I've talked about already? And that's one way we get to 180. That's 120 in the, sorry, that's one dart in the treble 20, if you like. The second is this, offerings. In the summer, we're going to take up an offering in mid-May, and these are special occasions where we deliberately seek God to give an amount, a sum of money, above and beyond what we regularly give. And it might seem hard to get excited about giving away a sum of money, but I want us to get excited about this, because from my experience and many people's experience in the room, it is a wonderful thing when you give the most you've ever given into an offering like that, and God comes and fills you with that sense of joy and freedom that you receive when you depend on him completely. So praise God for that. In May, we're going to go for around £15,000 in that offering, and I want us to really, really go for it. We're going to build right up to it. So let me encourage you and inspire you to seek God in prayer for those first two darts. Doom, doom. 60, 120, two in the board. Last one is this, one-off gifts. The final dart uh, represents times when people are stirred specifically to give something above what they've given in the previous two, perhaps, or just out of nowhere, they receive a gift themselves, and they think, do you know what? I think I'm going to give some of this to the church. So if that's you and you want to do that, we will rejoice with you as well. It was a one-off gift that enabled us to employ Rachel in the very first place. And that's the third and final dart that gets us to... Come on, pretend I just hit three trebles, right? Get excited about that. 180, come on. So last thing, technical thing, gift aid. 
King's Church is a registered charity. If you want to claim, ask to claim back 25% of any gift you give, then we can do that. And I just want you to know it costs you nothing. You can give us permission. We've got some forms. You can see myself, or you can see Malcolm, who's one of our trustees. And for a moment, I just want to honor and thank Malcolm because he helps with all of our financial stuff, getting it sorted, making it clear to me. Please, can we give Malcolm a round of applause? Thank you, Malcolm. Very good. And now, before I can keel over from giving you so much information in a short space of time, we're going to conclude. We're going for, as a King's Church family, 180, and we believe God can do it. We're going to devote ourselves to it. We're going to pursue that goal, no matter the cost. And just like Jesus, when he came and died on the cross, because he loves us, we're devoting ourselves to the mission once again today. That's what we're doing. And we need to keep perspective. You remember the perspective I mentioned earlier from the I-360? We've got, we got to get up there again. We've got to lift our head again. Not get dragged down. We've got to live at altitude, as it were, for a bit. Because we don't know what the next 40 years holds, but we know who holds the next 40 years in his hands. His name is Jesus. We know he's faithful. He is our source. He is our light. He is our protector, provider, king, and friend. And we can do nothing without him. If you've read John 15, verse 5, you know that. And I don't know about you, but I seriously, seriously, seriously want Jesus to be central in all that we do as a church as we grow and as we move forward. And so we're going to spend some time just inviting him to do that. And it feels like a really appropriate way to, to end. We sang, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want earlier on. Well, let's make sure that's exactly who he is. And so as we meditate in a moment, we're going to have the band come up. I think Verity and the guys, I think you're around. It might just be Verity, <laughs> which is fine. Um, thank you. Um, we're going to sing a song that you all know really well. But let me invite you to respond to Jesus today because it really does matter what he's saying to you. Because whatever he's saying to you may or may not provoke an action. But we really want him to be at the center. And if you've got little ones with you, we love the fact that you've brought them. We love the fact that in the room. And we pray right now uh, that, that God would inspire them and you, parents and carers. And you might just want to take a moment to help them hear this song and, and put Jesus at the center once again of your lives. Or you may just want to get two others. And again, I encourage you know, minimum of three for any kind of prayer like this, because it can be sensitive. You might want to get some around you and say, hey, can we pray? Help us put Jesus at the center. Help us to do that. All right, guys, are you ready? Okay, I'm going to pray, and then it's over to you. Father, we do praise you and thank you for your love, for your sacrifice, for your heart for us. Who are we that you are mindful of us? We just submit ourselves to you again. We want to give you all the glory, all the praise. And Jesus, we want you to be at the very center of our hearts and the very center of our lives. As we step into all that you've got for us, we, we don't want to go anywhere without you. So come, Holy Spirit, fill us afresh. Empower us, we pray. Encourage us, inspire us, and lead us on. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
Lord, we thank you that you've been here this morning. We go out in the power of Jesus mm. to, to live as you would love us live. Lord, we've heard lots of exciting vision for your church for the next few days, the next few weeks, and the next 40 years. So, Lord, we just commit your plans for this church. We just thank you that you have plans. And I thank you for everyone who's come this morning, mm. Lord, for all who've contributed. Bless us, Lord, in our week until we meet again. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So that just closes 